Hello and welcome to episode 48 of the Large Format Photography Podcast. My name is Simon Forster and I'm joined by Andrew Bartram, I think just made a noise deliberately, and Eric Marthy. Um, so, hello Andrew. Hello Simon. Hello Eric. Hello Simon. And we don't have a guest this week. It's just the three of us, and uh, and the reason for that is we wanted to do a bit of a catch up, do some emails, and uh, well, we just don't, we haven't really had an opportunity to do that because we've been having so many great guests. So uh, those people are looking forward to another great guest. Sorry, um, you've just yeah. got the three of us this week. Three um, of us and the voices in our heads. Yeah. Well, first of all, I just wish to say thank you uh, to Nico. I'm not going to attempt to uh, pronounce his name because I couldn't do it last time, and why do I think I could do it this time? I can't. So that's uh, that's Nico. Uh, from uh, from his photography channel um and actually we got a mention on his show um the the last yeah. time it was out and he almost almost remembered the three of our names almost almost <laughs> so so but uh, you know he did try he could just see like going around in his head and the, i was on the lfpp last week with and it was really good and I really enjoyed being on the, with the guys. Um, so, um, so, but, but thank you anyway. I mean, the effort was there. So th- thanks. Um, yeah. And I, I also, I also wish to thank uh, Andrew and Eric um, because uh, anybody that listened to the back end of last week's or the last show that we did uh, will notice that I disappeared um, because no. my PC um, overheated and something went wrong. Not, it wasn't a catastrophic failure, but it was enough to actually kill uh, audio. So I could actually see the things going on, uh, but uh, the guys could not hear me and I could not hear them. Um, and well, my computer- Which message, was useful because we could just talk so much smack about you in your absence. Just, this this is very fun. true. But although I did, I, you know, obviously I went back to do the editing, uh, thinking, what am I going to have to cut? And I didn't have to cut anything um, because you guys were just great. Um, so, um, so, so, thank you very much for uh, for your for your efforts uh, on on the last show. Um, okay, so, so this week um, we're going to go over to the fens and catch up on all the amazing things uh, that Andrew's been up to. Hmm. Well, I don't know, really. What have I been up to? Not a lot, really. I, I don't normally suffer from apathy, but I've been... I don't know whether it's just this blasted lockdown or what it is, really. Or we see the light at the end of the tunnel. I was even jabbed. and Someone even suggested I've got post-jab blues or something. I don't know what it is. So I'm, uh, I'm normally really excited about all things photographic and projects and bubbling away. And I just lost all motivation. However, having said that, I have exposed some dry plates, the awesome J-Lane dry plates. And I know that Eric's been playing with these as well. So I'll Indeed. just talk a little bit about those. So I bought some, well, I've had them a while, some sixth, sixth plate, six, sixth, S-I-X-T-H, <laughs> whatever that is. Say, say anyway. that when you're on your second whiskey. Sixth, sixth plate, sixth plate, which is... Um, and these are to fit inside the Rolly Flex, which I've talked about before, so it's not large format. That is a, I just have to say again for the millionth time, that is a sexy, sexy setup. The, it is the sexy. Drive, the drive yeah. plate film holder, sheet holders on the back of the little Rolly. Oh, so good. These are really good. You you load them up, and of course you can load them up under a red light. And then when you come to use them, you turn this little brass key on the back of each individual holder, and they're spring-loaded, and the emulsion and the plate moves forward by... 
I don't know, half a centimetre or so, into the film plane. It's ingenious. Yeah. And then when you want to, obviously you have to take the dark slide out first, otherwise it won't spring forward. But then you pull it back, lock the little key thing, and drop your dark slide back in. So I had it's some essentially of a combination of the, the film holders and a specific door. Like it replaces the entire back hmm. of the room. Oh yeah, you, you have take to yeah, you take the door off, or the door just comes yeah. off with a little a little catch thing. You know, there's no yeah. there's no violence involved. You just turn a little catch and it just pops off. So you buy normally buy a kit of these things with a door mm-hmm. and the holders. You can buy a, a ground glass as well if you want to compose on the ground glass. But I, I haven't done that. I can't see. That's not half the fun. Like that's the whole point of the TLR. Right. I'm not sure why I'd want to do that. So I had some ISO 25 plates, which are, Jason says are super contrasty, and they are quite co- contrasty. Uh, but I developed them, and, and I, I shot in fairly bright sun as well. So nothing I was doing was really going to tame the contrast. But I took a picture of my son and his girlfriend and a picture of my wife and her mum on Easter Sunday when we had them in the garden. And I developed in ID 11. But not not full strength, as Jason recommends. I diluted it one plus one and didn't agitate much, and the results look printable. They're okay, so that's a success. Yeah, it took me. To, did you end up doing a couple of runs, or did you just shoot them straight at twenty five and go for it? Like no, just for me, I no, had to I've do used, some I have, I, I've used these ones before, and I um. I scientifically look up into the air, into the sun. Well, not into the sun because that would be madness. But I, I assess the level of UV light scientifically by guessing. And then we're in the UK, so it's never that bright. So ISO, <laughs> ISO 25 would normally start at 6. And then when I photographed some things in my wife's potting shed, I think I might have even exp- even rated it at 1.5 or something ridiculous. Okay. You know? Um, and I made prints from the potting shed pictures. I made. I had to go down quite low on the contrast ratings, but I think I was just developing those neat in ID eleven. Then, so I think diluting the developer down a bit, and I just kept watching it under my little red torch. And yeah, they're okay. And then I went out with some large format plates a while ago. Now I think probably before the last podcast, but I just we just haven't talked about it because we don't do this chittery chattery stuff anymore do we so i went out into the fens my good old fenlands and i thought i know i'll try that in that projector lens that lights projector lens f 210 f 5.6 i'll try that out and on the front of it i'll put my lee filter holder with a rubber band what are you i'm shaking my head because it's why are you shaking a, your head a two a 210 5.6 it's a two. Whatever it is. It's a two hundred three point six. Oh well, whatever. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember what it is. Anyway, that that bloody projector lens that I bought. So I had that on there, and I had the <laughs> I had the glass plate, and I had the rubber band filter holder because I needed to cut the light down, and I think I put I don't know what it was, maybe a, a, a three or four stop neutral density in there, and, and I just. And I thought I'd given this enough exposure. These were ISO 2 plates, and I was rating these at 0.6 on my Gosson meter, but maybe I wasn't pointing the meter in the right area, because I've got quite a thin image, I have to say. Um, 
So I don't know. I can probably make a print with that. There is certainly detail on. I think it's just purely an overall low exposure. So I haven't had as much luck with the ISO 2 plates, I think because I'm just not giving it enough light, you know? Yeah, well, you have the neutral density filters, so next time you just use... Maybe I just don't bother with that. Yeah, exactly. And you, you, know, you when we were talking before the show, you had some tips on metering for these things, didn't you, Eric? Yeah, well, not the, not the ISO 2s. I've been doing the 25s, mm-hmm. and I got those... Uh, now I realize with quite a bit of naivete because I was like, oh, 25 ASA. I'll just shoot them at 25 ASA. Doop, 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 doop. Eh, wrong. Um, I did shoot the 25 ASA metering normal. I shoot at those speeds all the time with x-ray film. So I just figured it'd be like shooting x-ray film, you know, orthochromatic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, they came out thin as all get out. And I was like, okay, maybe it's the developer because full disclosure, Due to like the sort of the limitations of of the new house and just not having quite things set up right now, I'm just using Cinestill uh, Monobath because I really because I, I don't have the ability to do anything under a red light. There's no room that's safe to do red light development or tray development. Uh, so essentially, I've just taken a four by five daylight tank, blacked out the top where the chemicals usually go in, and then I just put the Cinestill in there. Use a um, use a light proof tent film changing tent and just insert one plate at a time inside that and just monobath it until it's done and then put it in the rinse and then put it into a drying box. And that works for me. So I know monobaths are a completely different beast than normal chemistry. I've never used a monobath before and they're super, super temperature sensitive, like pushing and pulling film in a monobath isn't about the, the chemical strength. It's the temperature. Right, it's you either are in like the 60s to the mid to high 70s or somewhere in between, and it's all about temperature. Um, so it's like, oh, maybe I'm just just screwing up the the chems and the time. Um, and no, it's UV, like you said, Andrew. It's it's the UV light. And in the end, I chatted with Jason and Nick Brandreth also reached out, and uh, Nick is just like, yeah, all dry plates, pull them two stops, shoot them at six ASA, no matter what, and and place that zone five in your shadows, no matter what. And that's just what you do. So you point, like, your, you point your meter at a mid-gray subject. Sorry you, sorry, you point your meter at a shadow area, Yep. which without any zone system-y correction would then place the shadow on zone As five. Yep. If you were doing zone system stuff, you'd stop down, you'd give it less exposure to place your shadow, wouldn't you? Yep. But don't do and, that, so you're just giving it. So that's interesting, your comment about monobath, because I... I Developed some film in monobath and didn't like the results and pulled it down the sink in sheer frustration. Oh, you shouldn't um, do that because it <laughs> contains silver and that's terrible for the environment. I didn't pour it down the sink. I, <laughs> I put it in the bottle and it's going to the dump. Um, so I, my understanding was that if you just extend the time, you're not really doing anything to the development. Correct. You're just giving it extra fix. You can't yep. do any harm to it. Just In fact, some films might need that much extra time. Yeah. So I didn't know if you wanted to alter the development gradient of the film, so make the contrast gradient steeper, give it more contrast. That's just temperature then. Yeah, absolutely. They have a little guide on okay. uh, the Cinestill website where essentially if you're pulling the film, you do this. You push the film, you do this. Uh, um, and didn't read that. Yeah, well. Um, and they have suggested times for different films. And also the agitation becomes super important then too, Mm. because essentially what you're doing, if we think about it, is you're fixing and you're developing at the same time, right? So if you develop too fast and fix too fast, 
right? Then it's going to be thin because it's it's come through too quickly, it's fixed too fast, and you have a thin negative, right? So um, that temperature, apparently, the combination of temperature and agitation, because they also have very specific agitation methods where if you're pushing or pulling, like there's constant agitation, which for them is like an initial agitation of 30 seconds and then 15 seconds every minute. And there's no agitation, which is like initial agitation of 10 seconds. And then like agitation of five seconds once a minute, like that's their minimal agitation. And so they have all these combinations, which is essentially just trying to make it so your fix and your developer happen at the right ratio of time. I think it's like anything else, isn't it? It's just experience and playing with it. And the only reason I bought some of the stuff in the first place was to accompany my lab box that I never opened. <laughs> it was a microphone stand, wasn't it, for a long time? So I, yeah. I'd, I'd got the lab box and I'd got the monobath, and then I sold the lab box to Rachel Brewster Wright. And I should have just given her the monobath, shouldn't I? I didn't think about it. Yeah. And I found it in the I mean, dark room. It's... I, I mean, I'm sure that if I was developing it with ID or HC110 or like whatever, and I have HC110 and I have a couple of developers floating around, my results might be better. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, but, it's, and I haven't digitized any of my images so far, but the, the negatives look promising. And the other catches, of course, I'm shooting this with one of my uh, modified lens. So the results are never going to be quite what it's hard to tell what's the lens and what's (laughs) what's the bath what's the what's the chemical and what the hell is the dry plate because well i i made the mistake well a mistake i because i shot that dry plate on uh, using the uh, projector lens Mm -hmm. which i knew was sharp somewhere maybe in the middle i don't know Uh, it's razor thin yeah um but then i went and put some back tilt on it as well to try and oh, well. throw and, and I made a whole fuzzy mess of a picture really you're a glutton for punishment is what you are with that no, I, should have, I should have gone out I should have gone out and just listened to what I normally tell myself was to only change one thing at a time you know you pulled in Eric and rubbing off on you instead of dicking about with too many different changes at once so that was um, that, that was that was that apart from that I've um, started clearing the garage out because that's where my darkroom is and in order to make my darkroom bigger to host one-on-one workshops at some point when the pandemic allows and we all feel safe got to extend the darkroom by well in reality probably no more than a meter or so but that'll just be enough to do what i need to do mm-hmm. and uh, a meter I'm, like in depth in width ooh. in both well i have the um i ha- at the moment i have a central corridor and then dry side on the left wet side on the right and i'm just pushing those two sides apart more so someone can stand in there with me and i'm not kind of breathing down their neck as i would be at the moment in a kind of weird way you know (laughs) (laughs) so uh, but it's uh, i've had this darkroom built in my garage for nearly 20 years and it's full of crap basically you know and i've got stuff on the outside of the garage and I don't know what to. I'm trying to. Get, I can't get get rid of much of the stuff, and you know, so, so a lot of it's up yeah. in the spare bedroom. So I've got that, and and it's going to be. I've got to get some wood to make more of a frame, extend the frame. I've got some wiring to do. 
it's never had running water, so I haven't got to worry about that. Yeah. I've got I've got to move the lighting and and move the move the vents and stuff. So that's that, and I should be excited about it because are, are you adding water in? I mean, are you you putting in? No, water? it's too it's too complicated. Well, it probably wouldn't be complicated if I spoke to a professional, but I'm too tight to pay anyone to do anything. So. Um, yeah, so I, the, the electrics was fairly easy because I had a consumer unit, you know, a distribution board inside the garage, and it had a spare way on it. So mm-hmm. I just, you know, I'm, I'm sure you're supposed to have some kind of electrical qualifications to do this, you know. But it hasn't. <laughs> I haven't burnt the house down in 20 years, so I guess it's all right. <laughs> so, so that's it, really. And also, oh, there's going, an argument for a detached garage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it is detached. Yeah, it's not actually. Detached. Oh well, then so I figured if it went up in smoke, if it went up in flames. All it would do is take out next door's garage as well, <laughs> which is actually connected to their house, so it would burn their house down, but it wouldn't burn mine down. Win. So that's it, really. So that's it. That's how exciting. And I've been reading quite a lot and chilling, you know. I was a bit ill after my vaccine, as Simon was, I think. Mm. But yeah. uh, other than that, it's just not very exciting, is it? You know, I'm going on a photo walk this week with a mate for the... Um, Taking a large format camera and a six by seventeen back, so I'm oh, hoping that I'm nice. hoping that might get me excited. Nice. So that's, that's it. I'll stop talking there because that's it, really. Over well, to you, Simon. No. I mean, the, 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 the question of like, you know, the mental blocks that's fuge mm. of of COVID. You know, I, I've certainly felt it. I'm shooting glass plates just to try to shoot something. Yeah. You know, but it's it's I think it's it's been really ungodly difficult to find enthusiasm for much of anything recently. You know, because it's like we we sort of seem to start to come out of and there's like a light at the end of the tunnel and then a bunch of people stop wearing masks or do something stupid or there's a new variant that comes out of nowhere that's catching and we're not sure if the if the vaccine will handle it and we just go right back down. Like, you know, it's Every time there seems to be a light at the end of the tunnel, it, it gets a little bit further back for reasons both social and scientific. And it's it's brutal, you know. It's really brutal, especially because photography sort of requires us, even if we're alone, it still requires us to be out typically doing something for most of us who aren't studio photographers, photographers, right? I mean, I've been, I've been quite vocal about wanting to spend more time doing printing. And, of course, I can't even do that now. I've dismantled the bloody darkroom. So... <laughs> You know, so that should be a spur to get on and do it, shouldn't it, really? And, right. and it will yeah. be. I will get my finger out of my what's it and get on with it. You're but good. I'm also missing, uh, and I'm not a very sociable person, really. You know, I'm a bit of an old grump. But I do like going out and, and um, meeting fellow analog photographers. And I did, I did it quite a lot, you know, before lockdown. I'd mm-hmm. go into Cambridge and meet with a couple of mates who'd go in most Saturdays and we'd have a wander. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd go on Polaroid walks in London a few times a year or other meetups in London. And all of that is just gone. And I know it'll come back, but I kind of miss that, you know? Yeah. I miss just meeting people who I've been interacting with on Twitter and Facebook and then meeting them in real life. I get a real buzz out of that. And, you know, lockdowns has been all right really we haven't suffered really you know we haven't suffered financially we haven't suffered mentally really you know and just because i'm a bit kind of down in the dumps i don't think that's compared with what a lot of folks have been through you know well, yeah but yeah but you know, you know at I'm the same time at the same time you can't you know sort of minimize the well like comparing like my or your or simon's like comparing our individual experiences to others and saying well it, so many people have it worse mm-hmm. and just sort of like tossing uh your stuff aside or 
or compartmentalizing it and not acknowledging it isn't really healthy. Like, yeah, okay, sure. It's not as bad as, as some other people have been and we're like, I'm sure individually doing okay. But at the same time, like you can't ignore, nobody can ignore the effects on themselves and just like bottle it up because that's not mm. particularly healthy. Not that this yeah. is like the mental health photography channel, but still like it has to be acknowledged that it's been 12 months of this and it's incredibly difficult for everybody, regardless of whether or not your difficulty is relative to somebody else's. It's still your difficulty. It is. Yeah. You know? I'm glad I, I'm glad I phoned into this chat line now and had yeah, a word you with know, you. Dr. I'm, I'm here for you, my brother. I'm here for you. You know, like I haven't, <laughs> you know, I'm supposed to go for a ride this spring or this summer and it's just not going to happen. Um, and I'm not really feeling it. Right. Where were you going? What were you? Do we know? Well, about originally, this? originally I was going to ride before COVID going to ride the first trail of tears that were forced on the Choctaw nation uh, from Mississippi to Oklahoma. Yep. And that was a, an offshoot of meeting um, some uh, member of the Choctaw nation and uh, on the, the, the story I did in Oklahoma just before lockdown. Um, and I still want to do that ride because I think it's gonna be fascinating. And then I, we dialed it back and a, a couple of friends and I are, we're going to ride from, our place here in the Bay area out to Reno and then back across California and then back down to San Francisco in a great big, like two week loop mm. um, and be fairly social distance because most of that is unpopulated. You know, but going right across California is just a whole lot of, not a lot of anything besides mountains and woods. It's very, really yeah. pretty. And I just haven't gotten the drive to get back on the bike. You know, I feel fat and out of shape and, work is crushing and busy and new house. And there's always stuff to do. And it's just mm. like finding the time and there's time to be found. Like I find time for dry plates and other shit, part of my language, but I just haven't found the time or drive for the bike. Yeah. But that's quite and, a big chunk of time needed. And you, well, you, as you say, you've moved house recently. You've yeah, got a house full well, of rabbits. Well, yeah, there's that too. They're almost gone. You, you'd be, You'd be leaving Heather for, you know, a selfish joyride in the countryside. Oh, no, she wants me to go. She wants me to get the hell out of here. Like, she's, she, she is joyous when I leave for a couple of weeks once a year or two. She's like, no, get out. This is good. Um, <laughs> but it's just, you know, it feels uh, really depressing that the last meaningful thing I did was now going on three years ago for that Butterfield trip. Right. right, and that's well, uh, you're not cheering me up difficult. now. I know, but I'm just saying that it's like we all have these things. We all have to figure out ways to get out of them. Yeah, you know. Um, but you just need to get on and do it, then, don't you? Really, like I need to get on and do my dark room and stop yeah. feeling sorry for myself. Really. Well, yeah, but also, you know, I, I guess the point being, I like, get to sort of acknowledge where this stuff comes from and then mm -hmm. find positive ways to get ourselves out of it. So. Good. Well, thank you, Dr. Eric. Simon, you, yeah. you've got a yeah. quizzical look on your face. Yeah, well, yeah he I'm, always does when yeah, I talk. It's yeah. safe. safe. I, yeah, I've, I'm, I'm just, just carrying on that, that, that thought. Because I've, I've realized that um, photograph. I mean, I've, I've thrown myself into making and, and building and all that kind of stuff for the last 12 months now. Um, but I also realized that from a taking photographs point of view, um, it pretty much stopped it well obviously it did, it did stop with with, uh, with with lockdown and going out and taking photos and, and things like that um but i've got film in cameras that i know just needs to be taken out and developed and i've got um 
uh, if we've talked about it before that uh, that the the wet the wet twig photo um, that I uh, posted a while back. Well, that's actually one of five photographs which are still sitting in my CombiPlan tank holder, waiting to be digitised, and that goes back from like last year. And um, so it's a case of you know lockdown is easing again uh, for us in the UK tomorrow. And I'm beginning to like get myself into the train of thought about going out and taking photographs again. And it's almost as if I can't really deal with the photographs that I've taken last year until I actually get out and actually start doing photography all over again. And then I can start again. It's like that whole thing has been put to one side completely instead of making use of the time that I've had to develop things and scan things and organize things. No, they've just, it's just being on complete hold. Nothing has happened on that at all. But you have been doing, you know, lens caps and oh, yeah, other, yeah, exactly. other things, haven't you? But yeah, that, that's right. But for actual photography and the, and the things connected with you know, making photographs and digitizing or print, well, I mean, I can't print um, without going to the dark room anyway. Um, but all of that is just being com completely on hold. And it's not, I just know it's not going to start again until I actually go out and take take more photographs again and then i'll be there thinking oh i've got all of these things that i still need to develop and digitize and so on and i couldn't mm -hmm. have done them over the last like you know six to twelve months um, while i had the time so uh, just a just a, an odd thing it seems like you know i have to go out and take photographs to be able to keep things moving mm -hmm. um yes yeah, mm -hmm. so odd. well for you and for me i guess to a certain extent like there's a certain amount of also joy to be found in tinkering like like a lens build or the 3d printing and like finding the, the fun and the finding solutions or building solutions you know like the the teaser here the the camera you just picked up that you want to do a conversion on like there's a lot of fun to be had in that sort of thing um that isn't taking a photograph and it's sort of interesting comparing contrasting you know how we got to that Comparing and contrasting the joy of taking images versus the joy of making things to make images. Hmm. Hmm. Right? Yeah. Well, on that subject, although uh, we'll keep that, we'll still keep that as a teaser because I'll, I'll quickly talk about something else, um, which is again connected with making, which is all I seem to be doing. Um, but about, I think it's about three weeks ago since we last did the last episode of the Classic Lenses podcast. And on that show, uh, one of the co-hosts, uh, Perry G, he mentioned, um, uh, he was talking about lenses that are doing well in Hong Kong at the moment. And he, and he just happened to mention uh, a French lens uh, called, oh, we were talking earlier about how to pronounce this and we, we didn't really come, to, didn't really come to a consensus, but it's B-O-W-E-R. Um, and uh, Eric was suggesting it might be Boyer. Uh, because Boyer. That's, that's, Boyer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So we'll French. go with we'll go with that because he he sounds like he knows what he's talking about. Bauer, surely, isn't it just Bauer. called Bauer? What? No, I have, that would have a W have, in it, wouldn't it? Yeah. I you said it. Friends. You said it had a W in it. B o w e r. You just said. Did I say that? I thought it was B o y. B o y. B o y. B o y. Oh, I have I have two friends with the exact same name, B o u c h e r, and one who live in completely different places. They're not related to each other, at least that I know of. One pronounces it Boucher, B-O-U-C-H-E-R, Boucher. And the other one pronounces it Boucher. Tomato, bucket, tomato, my bucket friend. and bouquet. Exactly. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, so I've got this uh, Boa uh, lens, Boa, 
um, from Paris. It says it's from Paris, and it's uh, and it also says sapphire uh, without the e at the end, so Ooh. Sophia perhaps. And uh, and apparently that's quite quite a, a desirable lens. And this this particular one is a hundred and fifty millimeter, uh, four point eight, I think. Yeah, four point eight, uh, and it's an enlarger lens. Um, but more to the point, I've got an MPP MicroPress, uh, which is British version of the Speed Graphic. So I'm going to make a lens board for this and screw it in because I've I've now I'm very close to actually um, of, to have truly worked out how to do screw threads. Um, by oh, 3D printing, oh. so uh, so this is just just gagging for a, a 39 mil th um, screw thread um, to be attached to a, a lens board and uh, and go out and uh, <laughs> shoot. Does it have with does it have coverage? Lenses. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's 150 mil in larger lens. So, okay. okay. So you would, yeah. I'm 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 taking the view. Well, if it will enlarge for a four by five, then it should be able to take four by five. Maybe there's um. Well, we'll see. Maybe must, I mean they, yeah. They must have a series of these things because there's one on eBay called the Topaz, with a with a Z. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a fifty. That's a fifty or Z. That's a fifty millimeter. So maybe they change the name based on the focal length or the quality I, of glass. I think it's a range. I think it's a range. But so quite a few of these Sophias. Oh, one three. Yeah, there's a Sophia. Sophia B. Yeah. Anyway, whatever. What um, one three five millimeter lens here. Look, hundred and sixty eight dollars. Yeah. I mean, so oh, interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they're a French optical company founded in eighteen ninety five by and I'm not gonna do it. Um, Antoine A N T O I N E Boyer sold, etc. 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 Um, bankruptcy in the beginning of the seventies. Um. Closed in 1982. All of their lenses are named after jewels. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. So, looking forward to and they're, giving that. Yeah. Game. And they're completely poorly documented. Like, <laughs> a short history of the company with an incomplete catalog of its lenses. <laughs> they're completely undocumented and nobody really knows anything about them. Hilarious. Well, looking forward to giving that one a go. Um, yeah. So, so that's that little thing, and the uh, the the main thing that uh, I'm about to be up to, uh, and this is something that I've been I fancied doing this for a, a reasonable while. And uh, Eric's, I'm not sure if we've talked about it on the podcast, but certainly in conversations, uh, Eric has sp spoke about uh, the Polaroid Pathfinder uh, cameras, mm -hmm. and uh, there's a, there are several models of it. You know, you've got the one one ten A and I think there's a B, and there's also uh, the one that I've got in front of me, which is the 120, um, which is uh, uh, the export, not the export market, the, the non-American uh, market uh, version mm -hmm. of the camera. So it's, it's, from what I can gather, it's, it's absolutely identical. It's built to the same patterns and things like that. Um, but it's made in Japan, um, and it has a, uh, a Yashica lens, so it has a Yashinon uh, lens on it um i don't know if that also means it was also made by yashika as well um i don't know but um that's that's one of those things that actually makes me quite happy because i'm thinking well they really did know how to make cameras and lenses and uh so how it compares optically to the uh to the road and stock or the earlier woolen sack uh lenses on there i do not know and uh i just who happened to actually have um 
a shutter mechanism and a woolen sock, woolen sack uh, lens as well, which I picked up a, a previous time. Um, yeah, those lenses are super common. Yeah, so I was, uh, I just, yeah, it, it was, it was cheap, and I thought we'll have that. <laughs> As you, as you do. Um, but anyway, more to the point. Why are we talking about a Polaroid camera on the Large Format Photography Podcast? And that is um, some very clever people, and not necessarily recently. Yeah, People have been doing this for quite some time, have been converting these cameras. But these are used to use, a, not, not the pack film, but a Polaroid roll film, which is quite a, lot, you know, a relatively Man. tall uh, film. Um, and the actual aperture at the back is pretty much like three by two inches uh, there maybe a little, a little bit bigger actually and, much bigger okay well it's not much bigger maybe what is it about three three and a quarter by two and a quarter something like that it it um i'd have to measure i've shot a bunch of these um i have a polaroid 800 that this is another model that i've converted and it's it's not that much smaller than a four by five yeah I, it's, well, I, I think it's much bigger than a two inch by three inch for sure Okay. It's way the, the the frame size is much bigger than that. Okay, well that's good. Well, and I think I can understand why because I mean, if you actually, I think it's measure, more like a it's closer to three and a quarter by four and a quarter. Yeah, yeah, that, that's yeah. it. So, um, but actually, well, anyway, I'm I'm sort of jump jumping ahead and backwards and forwards Sorry. here. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, what some clever people have done is actually managed to convert these things to four by five. Uh, or at least to take a 4x5 film holder is perhaps a better way of mm-hmm. putting it. And I thought to myself, I fancy doing this. And um, and I've seen on uh, sites such as uh, Thingiverse, which is a 3D printing uh, um, repository of uh, freely downloadable uh, files. And uh, a chap called Morten Kolv, Kolv, Kolve, something like that, he's from uh, Norway, um, he uh, came up with this uh, a way of doing it and you can download his, his files. You can buy these kits from him if you don't have a 3D printer, but he also uh, gives you complete access. Um, if you have a th- your own 3D printer, you can just down- download them and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I have a 3D printer or, or nine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, A couple. Yeah. And um, so I thought, yeah, that, that sounds a good idea. So I downloaded them and then also looked at how it all goes together. And, and there are other ways, other people, other people have done them in different ways. But it's like I say, it's not a new thing. And I was going to, I was going to do it um, the way this, 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 this prescribed way. And then I decided I'm not so sure about that now because I'm thinking, is there a way of doing this without actually getting a Dremel to it and a drill and a, and pliers and, and all sorts of things? Um, because that that's that is something I just don't like. I do I, I, converting cameras from one thing to another when you actually effectively destroy its original use is something that I'm I'm not uh, I'm not entirely happy with. And I've got a cup of tea coming to me now, so just bear with me. Thank you. Very much. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that's a yeah. Uh, I have a can't hear me. Yeah, I have a cup of Red Bush here, so um, that's uh, well. That's, I, I, the only way to do that, honestly, is to just like take it into the dark room and directly load a piece of film into the back and close the door. Because um, no. otherwise, yeah. No. Sorry, man. I'm sorry. I am, I am determined at the moment. I'm determined <laughs> at the moment to try and find a non-destructive, non-invasive, as in not drilling any holes in, into it, so that the whole thing can come apart 
and turn it into a four by five camera and if i so wish uh, go back to being its, its original state and that is what i'm going to attempt to do because looking at it i think i've got a way of doing it i oh, don't really? know if it works in my head as well see the, the, the challenge and sorry for the folks who like can't actually don't have one of these cameras in their hot hands um is the bottom rail for all intents and purposes the bottom lip actually um, eric just this would be a good time to actually just explain what one of these pathfinder cameras is because yeah. I've, I've not really explained it do you want do you want to explain yeah, and then sure. carry into where you you were going yeah so back in the day um I w and i wish these, this film was still available i think this film was brilliant um edward land polaroid designed and made a series of rangefinder cameras that shot a type of polaroid roll film that produced a positive image print like Polaroids do, but also kept the negative in a roll, um, which is just like the holy grail for instant shooters who also like to keep negatives around. Uh, and the largest and best ones essentially produced an image that was just smaller than a four by five. It's like a three and a quarter by four and a quarter, if I'm not mistaken, the same size as my, the graphics I do all my trips with. Um, and the top, top premier ones had, um, really nice lenses the the 127 4.7 manual exposure essentially large format lens and the less expensive ones used a two or three element smaller one with sort of an automatic shutter uh, aperture combination and you see those in like the polaroid 800s 900s is that series um which is what i have i have one of those that i've covered four by four by five and just on a side note those lenses are razor sharp like they'll take a, an image where the sharpness that feels sharp enough to cut your finger with, like don't underestimate the cheaper Polaroid lenses because they're bloody brilliant. They're so good. Um, and I can't remember when that film stopped being produced, but that film isn't in existence anymore. But I think over the last two decades, a few enterprising individuals pre 3d printing discovered ways to take these and turn them into uh with either graphlex backs or um spring-loaded backs four by five cameras i think probably one of the most famous ones there was a gentleman oh, i'm spacing on his name but he was in australia and he was the path setter for all this david burnett got one of his cameras and it's essentially you have a giant rangefinder four by five and they're awesome like you burn through four by five i've shot them street photography you burn through four by five film with them so fast you take like 14 film holders and in two hours you burn through 28 sheets of four by five film and you've gone what did i just do this is amazing i want to keep doing it um so they're great but with the advent of 3d printers and uh folks like simon and martin cole and whatnot there's just these kits now that if you're willing to do some or not, in Simon's case, some destructive surgery, you can convert these over to shoot six by nine film backs, 120 film backs, essentially have them be a graphics backed rangefinder. They're brilliant. I love them. Andrew. So I um, used to meet up when I was used to go down to Cornwall with Matt Smith. Matt, Matt's a Polaroid shooter. Mm -hmm. And he had a converted 110A or B which he shot Polaroid pack film on. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. I think he might have done the conversion himself, but yeah. he still he still uses it. 
Yeah, I mean, that was the original conversion. People would convert to pack film mm. and shoot the Fuji stuff. And then when yeah. the Fuji stuff sort of went away and dried up, there was a collective panic. And then people started like, oh, four by five, you know. I've got a couple of um, Polaroid 103s, which are kind of, they're glass lens, but plastic bodied yeah. Polaroid pack film cameras. I've got them because and they're great yeah. not as good as the 250s which had the decent range finder and i had one right. of those but flogged it but so those I, are I different one... sorry go on yeah i see those are different than these because those are built no. around the pack film stuff yeah. but if you were just about to say you were curious on how to convert those there have been yeah. more people working on converting those specific pack film cameras to either instax backs or four by five or roll film so I, there's I more that, and more stuff out there i think that. i'd be more interested in converting it to an instax yep because um, I, whilst I see, whilst I see the sexual attraction of a handheld four by five, um, you know, I can lug my RB sixty seven around, or or some other, or my or my GW six ninety, and it's horses for courses, you know. And for me, large format generally is uh, is something that requires a bit more. Uh, consideration rather yeah. than, uh, and i you know, i'm not doing down you know any handheld four five user of course not but and I, and I can and those cameras are beautiful and i can absolutely see the attraction but it's um but but i would love to do something with my two well one of my 103s because mm-hmm. i one of them i'll keep anyway because i do occasionally put a pack of that super sense one shot expensive selling your kidney films in it you know right yeah so i'd keep one still for pack film just in case another miracle occurs and we get pack film in some cheap state but i would like uh would like it there's a guy there's a guy actually on facebook who is very reasonably doing a frankenstack back for rb67s and because i've got an oh. rb67s and he's he will for 200 euros uh, go out and get or source an Instax square so that's the square format so mm-hmm. but they're like Polaroid squares but of course smaller and he will um, make you um, the Insta- Frankenstax back for your RB and I've been chatting with him and he said if you've actually got one of these SQ cameras then you can send it to him and he charges like 100 euros to do the work or something okay. but, uh, and I didn't think that was too bad and I nearly nearly went for it and I nearly, nearly went for that Lomography 4x5 Instax wide. But do you know what's holding me back on that? I just what? don't. Once, once the teenage Japanese girls fall out of love with it, I'm not convinced that Instax will just stay the course. Because, you know, Fuji, I don't think Fuji have got their heart in it. All the while it's Fuji's making spondulics. Fuji is a little fickle. Although, here's the thing about that. The counter to that, though, is Instax has been around for six, seven years now, maybe a little bit longer. Um, And Fuji, being a giant corporation, has spent a lot of money putting near the factories and the tooling around this. Um, And that's the reason they phased out PacFilm. Their film is that... They were Even though they were selling out, they weren't selling out in the volume Mm. that was required to keep the machines running properly no, no. and it was too much money to retool into a smaller setup. And so yep. it made no financial sense, but I think the Instax stuff, like I can't go anywhere with an Instax camera without people losing their minds over it. Not just mm-hmm. 
teenagers, but like adults who remember Polaroids with their families and asking if you'll take you if you'll take a photo with that and hand it to them. So I I I don't know. I think insects might be around for well, that's good. Maybe I will at least another ten ish. 15-ish years because Fuji's in it for the long run to make their money back, and yeah. the, the, the cost of that and that insta and the um on that four by five back is actually pretty affordable. It is it's less yeah. than it's less than two hundred dollars. It's like one hundred and fifty or something like that. It's it's not it's, bad price. I think at the moment you can put the ones at the moment that the, there's been a delay. I don't know what it's maybe it's to do with Brexit, but there's been delay on production. Yeah, and if you place an order now, they're still taking pre-orders for the second series of them. And you get ten percent yeah. off. I think it's about one hundred and sixteen pounds with the ten percent right. off, and then they charge you another ten quid for shipping or something. Yeah, I'm. I mean, I I'm really tempted just because if it's it's a graph lock back. So if any mm. camera from my uh, Intrepid yeah, to sure. if I do another Polaroid one ten conversion with to a graph lock back, like like Simon may or may not be doing we'll get back to that um with or without the destruction <laughs> you can't do it with a graph lock back and not be destructive sorry um <laughs> i think i think i'd get more use out of the guy who's doing the frankenstack backs for my rb because yeah. i can imagine photo meetups in cambridge with with that camera and and, and, a, and the instax back instax square back and doing portraits of people either mm-hmm. in the group or strangers in the streets which i used to do yeah. with uh, sx70 yeah. I mean, I've got a buddy who's got one of the four by fives converted to um, the pack film, uh, which he got for a song, the jerk. It was just in a bag at a white elephant sale and he got it for like $25. It's a professional, beautiful conversion. Uh, Vince curse you, but he loves shooting that thing pack, like the pack film as porches and whatnot. You can shoot it really fast. So I'm sure yeah. uh, an insects backed setup like that, like if Simon, when Simon does his conversion to an insects back, um, and uses that pole, that you, he'll be able to like shoot with those things out and hand them out to Bob and his uncle. Mm-hmm. Well, just yeah. just a thought about this: the the, the on the RB or the RZ, mm-hmm. whichever one it was you you, you mentioned. RB. RB. Um, so the idea is that you would actually modify the camera. Is that yep. correct? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, not your RB, but the he go for your two hundred euros. He sources your Instax SQ six. I don't know what they are, and he's on. I forget the guy's name on Instagram, but he, he's he's all over it, and um, and it's a nice looking thing, you know, and it attaches yep. to you. It ta- attaches to your back, and. The results look great, and yeah, so the, the, this, the, the issue that I've got here, and, I, and it's, it's not not explained. I pass well, we haven't touched upon it, and that's just the way that Instax, uh, how that would you, you can't just stick an Instax back on. Uh, let's forget about the, how it fastens and all this kind of stuff. Getting the film plane in the correct position. Um, well, he does it. Is, well, that, that's the thing. I, that, I can't see how he can do that without actually modifying the camera because the, no. the film plane is too far back. So you'd end up um, turning your lenses into macro lenses. Well, let's just park that because I haven't got the details with him, but I will put some links to the show note and also share it into the group Yeah, as well. Mm-hmm. I think maybe it's in – I know where it is. It's because I'm a member of the RB67 Facebook group. He's in there. He's in there. And he showed, you know, he's showing examples, pictures of the work and – 
You Although know, be able um, to, I can see how we can do portrait uh, portraiture with it. Yeah, because you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I'm saying you. I just struggle to see how you get to infinity. Now you could argue who cares about infinity within stacks. Yeah, you know, it's always mm. going to be taking pictures of people, generally speaking, isn't it? Yeah. But it's yep. just like how far away is the furthest? Can well, you, can they be and still be in focus? Is yeah, I don't I don't know, Simon. Really, it's a good question. Well, which brings me to your to your non-destructive um, conversion. I mean, yeah, I'm trying to think of how you would do that if you don't want to be destructive and you don't want to because when I did my polar 800 conversion, every other conversion that I've seen, you you have to cut part of the bottom lip in order to get the four by five holder to get in there to be on anywhere close to the same film plane. Well, that's right. It, it, and it, so it, if you were willing yeah. to offset the film plane by like 10 millimeters and ram exactly. the lens back by 10 millimeters, but they're. And that's it. Might, that's it. That's exactly what I'll be doing. But then, then that's how they but you still anyway. might, but you still might need to cut. Sorry, folks, if you haven't seen one of these cameras, I'm so sorry. But you still, but there's the the housing for the rangefinder, the plastic rangefinder housing up top, is also kind of chunkily back. Uh, I don't think I had to cut into any of that for my conversion, but there was some material at the top I still had to cut. Yeah. Um, so it's really just a question of whether or not you can offset that to the degree you can offset the lens, push the lens back to the degree that you need to offset that film plane. Yeah. Like I say, um, in, in my head, be able to. in my head, in head it yeah. works perfectly. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and then also keep it light proof. Yeah. Well, that's that, that's, light that, that's going to, that will be yeah. tricky with what I'm trying to do. Um, but uh, right. I'm not, I'm not, in, I'm not looking at doing Instax with it. That's a step too far at this moment. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, uh, I mean, if you, if you converted it to shoot not four by five, but two by three, mm-hmm. then Bob, then totally. Right, because the two by three holes are so much smaller, you could easily fit that yeah. inside there and just mask it off yeah. and just but take the door it, off. It, it, you want to keep four by five. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it defeats the object of it. Then yeah. they're going to shoot in two by three. So other yeah. ways of shooting effectively medium format film, isn't there? So and they're, yeah. they're more convenient and uh, easier. Um, yeah. And uh-huh. there are also other ways of doing four by five, true four by five in a handheld way. Um, and I can think of two cameras that do Ooh. that. And uh, there's the Chroma Snapshot. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's the Camerodactyl OG as well. So, yeah. uh, and so, if you can find them, the Travel Wide, which apparently, according to Nico, we, we should be expecting some level of news from Travel Wide. I don't know what. Um, and then there's the gentleman, oh, what is his name, in uh, Tehran who makes a handheld yes. 4x5, yeah. I believe. Yeah. Um, but I think but what, what appeals to me on this one is the fact that it. it can be rangefinder coupled and uh, anybody that's listening yes. to me on the classic lenses podcast knows that i hate rangefinders so i am being completely hypocritical um, but um this is a different podcast uh, so yep. i can say that i like rangefinders on here and nobody will notice dude uh, rangefinder four by fives are brilliant exactly it just sounds great and it's and the thing folds up and if you've got huge pockets it will actually go in one as well so yeah yeah, it's I've, it, I've, it's all good, and I'll get I've, a graph lock back on there as well. We haven't mentioned graph lock. Yeah, that's so the thing. That's, you have yeah. to. Not not no graph no not graph lock, graphmatic, graphmatic ah, okay. is what we want on there. Which is uh, for anybody who's not uncertain what that is, uh, that's a method of uh, fitting five uh, four by five um, sheets of film into a back that's not that much thicker than a conventional uh, uh, film holder, and it uses magic. Uh, to uh, to put the uh, the film oh. in there and swap them around. Yeah, I mean, honestly, having shot a bunch of rangefinder four x five, it is an indescribably fun experience. If you ever in the audience, if you ever have the chance to just 
shoot street photography or reportage or documentary work or just like go out with a, a, a camera like this and just shoot you know because the thing with with the cone four by five cameras is you're zone focusing yeah. or you're using the ground glass and you're you're guessing or it's still sort of the same process you know like andrew said where it's very measured and it's very but the ability to like look through a rangefinder focus and frame and just shoot yeah. with negative that size is absolutely exhilarating it's a ton of fun um, I, I it's just I just remember there's there's another advantage as well for for offsetting the the, the film plane, um, at least I think so, uh, because um, I think that will actually enable the projected image to grow, to be larger because it's set a little the back. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, so, so, uh, so yeah, so I'll, I'll set it back around yeah. about I don't know four. It might actually <laughs> it might actually cover the full yeah. four by five film plane instead of three and a quarter by four and a quarter. So that's true. So yeah, there you go. So that's that's what I've been up to, and now let's just find out what Eric's been up to because you've been making lenses. I don't know. I don't know what am I up to? Um, shooting dry plate, uh, specifically just to. So we moved in December, and the thing about this neighborhood, which I may or may not have mentioned on previous podcasts, is there's just a ton of cars, not just like people driven cars, like cars that are used on a daily basis, but like cars in yards, cars on streets, cars where either they used to run and then they don't run anymore and they're too expensive to repair or too beloved to throw away or somebody purchased it as a project car and just never got around to working on it or are working on it at a very slow pace, you know, or all of the above, right? But there's just a ton of what I'm just going to call yard cars in this neighborhood. They're just everywhere. Um, and I find them fascinating. Uh, they, there's everything from like cars from the twenties and thirties all the way up to like cars from the two thousands that fall into this like broad category. Um, and it's just such an American thing, like the American car culture combined with American consumerism and like obsessive of collecting of things that you think you can use or do something with, but lack the skill or money or drive or time to do like in order to fix an old car you need to have the money to fix the old car and the time to fix was, the old car i was just gonna say we don't do that with cameras do we yeah totally 100 percent. yeah exactly <laughs> exactly replace car with camera and then hey look at us Woo! you know look at this graphlex 3a that's sitting on the table next to me with a dodgy shutter system which will take five million hours and countless amount of skill that i don't have to deal with so yeah there's that and so I find it fascinating, and I've been wandering around the neighborhood uh, taking images with the glass plates and um, an old Voigtlander uh, camera uh, that, with a dead lens that I uh, brought back from life. Sorry about background. There's a coffee maker right next to me, which sadly just turned off. I should turn it back on again. Anyways, so I've been, been shooting that just to get out in my neighborhood and just to sort of feel like I'm doing something in COVID land because otherwise I've just been sitting around working too much and doing too much housework. Um, so yeah, that's been fun. And uh, hopefully today uh, I will finish buttoning up Olana Airtrum's lens. We tested it two weeks ago. Uh, my buddy Vince, the aforementioned Vince, who got the great four by five rangefinder for $50 American. Um, went over two weekends ago and tested the lens on his eight by 10. So the first time I've ever actually put that lens on a camera. So until this has been complete theory um, and 
it worked. I mean, I should caveat that it first, it worked and then it didn't, it worked wide open. And then when I stopped it down to like F32 or F64, it didn't cover like the, the vignetting was massive because the barrel on the French landscape configuration. So for those of you in the audience who are listening, who don't know what the hell I'm talking about, I'm building a hand making a lens for a photographer, Alana Eritrum, whom we should eventually have on the show once she's done the work. Um, and it's, convertible from a French single element French landscape, which is the classic 1800s design, to a uh, two element Petzl type. It just converts between the two by bolting the front to the back. And uh, the French landscape puts the aperture in front of the lens at the end of a barrel. Um, and that's just the way the design was. So when I did that, it didn't get eight by 10 coverage and I was very sad and slightly panicked. So, so, so by, if it was a single lens with the with the aperture in front of the lens, which is the same mm-hmm. as these these old meniscus lenses, exactly, um, it 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 works properly. But because there's a second lens, uh, um, no. it, is, is that no? Is it the second the issue the the issue was it was a single meniscus <clears throat> design, and the barrel was too long. Oh right. Even though I did the right math, it's usually one sixth or one seventh. The, the barrel distance for the aperture is usually one sixth to one seventh the, the distance of the f- focal length. So if you have a hundred millimeter lens pulling numbers out of thin air, you usually place the aperture one sixth to one seventh that in front of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it apparently either that math is wrong or with this particular setup, it was wrong, but like F 32, uh, which isn't that small of an aperture, like it, didn't cover anywhere close to the full. Yeah, but but that, that had nothing to do with the fact that you just stuck another lens at the back. No, no, this is a single element. No, oh, the, when it, oh, when it had the two, everything's Bob's your uncle. This is a single element aperture. This is shooting oh, okay. it with just a single lens. And uh, that was the first thing we tested. And I completely panicked because I go, shh, I need eight by 10 coverage. I can't have this crazy vignette thing. And she's going to need mm-hmm. decent aperture to get sharpness from this thing because this is not a scientifically created lens. This is not a Jason Lane you know, on the space station lens. This is an Eric Matthew, whatever lens. Um, but we tested it again with a shorter lens barrel and lo and behold, we got full frame coverage and I was very excited. It actually has enough coverage to cover 16 by 20. Like we took Jace, we took, um, we took Vince's, he's got a full, the full coverage and we threw it maximum left and maximum up and maximum everything. And it has full coverage, no matter how far you throw that front move the front element. Like it's kind of awesome. Um, and then it also works just as well with the two element configuration, the pencil configuration. So, um, yeah, it looks good. It looks great. So did you, did did you not need that lens length to accommodate both? lenses or was the actual length superfluous that you could just circumcise it in effect (laughs) 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 the length in question was the barrel length for the aperture size we just made this entire thing Simon's losing it Um, and that's only uh, you only use that when it's in the single element meniscus design when it has the two elements together, then the aperture gets moved to between them, and you don't need that big front barrel anymore. So the big right. front bit that you is that was that, that detachable? Yes. 
It's not detachable. Right. So that's part of it. Like I built a barrel so that when it's in its single element configuration, the barrel slides onto the front of the wood and then you've got a, a French landscape. And for the folks, again, the folks listening, we will post um, in the podcast notes links to illustrations of what a French landscape lens looks like and what a two element petzval looks like. So you can sort of understand the difference and, and why they have, I'm talking about this. So you so don't need same, that extra bit on the front anymore then? You... I shortened the hell out of it and it still worked. So you still need it. You still need to put the aperture in the front but and you still have long. to be some distance in the front, but it didn't have to be I nearly as long. I need to see photos really. Yeah, totally. <laughs> two, two element petzval lens. You, you, you just as you just said something there. You just muted yourself. You muted yourself I'm, to answer the question. I'm muting it, Andrew, to be like circumcised, really. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> My life already. <laughs> yes, two element petzval. Continue. I didn't think a petzval was two elements. Isn't that, I thought that was it an is. acromat. No, oh. it has two acromats. So a petzval was the first lens to have. Two acromats, but the interesting thing about the Petzval is it's got a front sort of cemented, non-airspace acromat, and the rear acromat is an airspace acromat. So that's four lenses now. It, it, well, four it's that's four elements. Yes, technically, yes. So not, yes. not two. Technically, it's two. Technically, it's two acromats, <laughs> but an still... acromat is built up of a, of a crown and a flint. Yeah, but, but that's, it's that's, still that's... when you put them, when you pair them together, go, my friend, they become a single element acromat. Oh, that's the way it works. Sorry, bro. It, it might, might work that way, but you don't. Call, you can't call it a, a two yes, element. Yes, you can. No, you can't. Yes, you can. No, yes, you can. No, you can't. Talk to Jesse. No, yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yes, three. Yes, 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 three. Yes. Surely it's at least three if you've got two things glued together and then two with an airspace. No, it's technically it's an airspace acromat. We're gonna get dr- we're gonna get drunk with Jason and hash this out. Okay. Well, I don't really care. On the classic lenses podcast, yeah, well, but was, so that's that's like saying so if you have if you ever have cemented lenses, then they're they you don't you don't count them as two. They they're just that's just they're one. single. Yep. Yeah. And so uh, all those cemented lenses, these relatively modern lenses, planars and things like that, with cemented elements or sonars and things yeah, like that. Yeah, cement. Um, yeah, they're count, cemented acromat. We're, we're we're counting too many elements. So when when they, we read them as saying like they're it's an eight element super Takuma or something really like that, two. it's 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 probably about I don't know two and a half or something like that. No, 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 no. Because those when you look at them and you look at the diagrams, they're all airspaced out and they're used different elements. So the acromat is very specific, and then they'll have like a convex a, a complex whatever and they'll have like six distinct elements looking forward to the classic lenses podcast when we get you on um okay whiskey time with eric jason and simon and andrew this should be good but nonetheless and even uh, i won't nerd out too much but uh even this two element uh petzville clone isn't because i didn't end up having the space to to airspace the back so it's actually something different but it works really well and hopefully today i should be able to button it up um, and then that just leaves me, I just have to finish producing the apertures for her um, and then build a box for it to protect it uh, while she's in the field and, and it's done. I'm excited. It produces really nice, it produces really, really, really nice images. We still have to test it with some portraits just to see what it does for portraits. But like the shots of in Vince's backyard came out really well. So I'm pleasantly shocked. Actually, no, I'm just shocked. I'm pleased and I'm shocked that it came out as well as it did. 
So there's that. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. Right, well, and then I, I hope to make a couple more wooden single element uh, lenses with wooden barrels for some friends of mine who have medium formats. So that should be fun. I'm 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 still slightly speechless over, over <laughs> we, um, how how we count elements, but we let's let's we shall debate. Yeah, that's that's going to have to be for another time. Uh, Just oh, uh, before Andrew, you yeah. move on to other things, um, we were chatting about the Instax back yeah. a moment ago, and at some point when I was bored, I messaged David Lago de Montana. David Lago de Montana. Anyway, David, who I'm friends with on Facebook, is the guy behind making these Instax backs for the RB67. So I sent him a message while you were wittering on about something uh, to say we were chatting We were chatting about your back and basically, can you focus at infinity? Because someone said, you can't. If Well, you may not be able to question it, maybe, without modifying the... Salmon uh, openly questioned it. I didn't name I didn't name Sam at Simon. I might do in a minute though. So he says, Wow, I'm deeply flattered that we were talking about him. There we go. Dri- driving at the moment. Well, I hope he stopped. The short yeah, answer wait, is what? the short answer is yes. Can focus at infinity. But I think he said he's going to come back to me with more details. So there we go. There's watch this space. Yes. Ha. David, so if you anyone's interested on uh, Facebook, his name is David Lago, L-A-G-O-D Montana, with a, a squiggly bit above the N, however you pronounce that. I used to know all that, uh, to do that. Eric, you know, don't so, you? Uh, and if you look at, if you look at his, <laughs> if you look at his work, it's, it's good, you know, the back looks the job, it looks the dog's bollocks, to be honest. <laughs> bollocks? <laughs> Why would a dog have a bull's, anyways, okay, yeah. cool. Okay. Well, we just say we just say it looks the dogs, and then you know what it means. That, that's dogs. right. That's right. Um, okay. Now then, I think it is time um, that we catch up on our, our emails, and that, that sort of makes it sound like we got a lot of emails. We actually haven't got that many emails, um, but we we do have a few, and we do need to uh, uh, to to read them out. So um, we don't have any music for the uh, ask Eric uh, section, which is now coming up. But um, let's we should do. Yeah, we. But um, you know, if you have some music and suggestions for what we can use, yes, uh, royalty yes, free, please. Um, then um, we we might give this section a uh, bit of music. So uh, yeah. over to over to Eric, like a game show yeah. theme, something. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, I get a theme song. That's probably a terrible idea. Um, right. So we have three three emails, uh, and one of them is actually slightly from the Wayback Machine of about a month ago uh, from Jess Lance. Sorry, Jess. No, t- It no, took a while. No, Jess, Jess was on the 23rd of March. Yes, but it's the 11th of April. It's almost a month ago. Oh, it's like three word. weeks ago. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Time really... works that way, doesn't it? Yeah. Yes, okay. yes. Yeah. It passes, yeah. especially while you're doing other things, which yeah. apparently we found that we never necessarily have been doing other things. But nonetheless, time has passed. And Jess wrote in and said, gentlemen, he's obviously talking to somebody other than us, and then comes back to talk to us to say, yesterday, as I was working in my garage, figure out how I planned on building some pinhole cameras in my retirement, good for you. I listened off and on throughout the day to your podcast, trying to get current. Then, before I crashed the night, I listened to the Balkowicz podcast. I was moved, stunned, blown away by the passion and intensity of Shane Balkowicz. 
You went to a higher place in this interview. Today, I just finished watching his documentary, Beautifully Done. Thanks for bringing his story to my attention, one that I might have otherwise passed by. Thanks, Jess Lance. So you're welcome. I mean, I had nothing to do with that podcast. So Simon and Andrew. We've we've come crashing down since that high point, clearly. So down. Yeah, yeah you joined us not long after that. <laughs> <laughs> Bounce the plane hard on the runway now, kids. Thank you, Jess. We enjoyed it. We've enjoyed we've enjoyed all our guests, haven't we? I yeah. don't think there's I couldn't yeah. point point at one. <laughs> even if you even if you asked me to point at one, I wouldn't. Yeah, no. no, I think I think everyone's been great. Um mm. and also congratulations, Jess, for pinhole camera building in your retirement. Nice. I mean both pinhole camera building and retirement. Like I can't even imagine. Yeah. Oh, Only one of us here is retired, right? Semi-retired. It's to be recommended. The retired part or the pinhole part? Both. Both? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so, Jess, thanks. Write in again. Enjoy the podcast. Um, and then we have another one, and this is also from the Wayback Machine of January 20... No, Yes, January 23rd. We have no defense on this one. This is way, way back. Way, way back. It's still 2021 at least, so we have that going for us. Ian Wallace. Hi, LFPP team. I was just listening to you talk about what you'd like to include in the show in the future, LFPP number 43. And I thought I'd let you know what I particularly enjoyed from last year's shows. I especially enjoyed and found inspiring the episodes with the in-depth interviews with some amazing working LF photographers. Immediately distinct and memorable guests were Shane Balkovich, again, Shane, yo, Dave Shrimpton, Jack Lowe, and Clyde Butcher. More of these if you can find the right guests, please. And also, just as a side note from Eric, that's four great names, like Shane Balkovich, David Shrimpton, Jack Lowe, and Clyde Butcher. Like, it sounds like they should be in like a holdup gang from the Wild West. Doesn't it? Like that's a great, that's a great bunch of names who are also highly talented, large format photographers. But anyways, when discussing gear and techniques, I'm personally not worried. I can't see what you're looking at. I love the radio format of podcasts, and I don't want to have to go and watch things. I can dip into YouTube if I must, but I love listening to things being explained. So having a variety of material, including some techniques and technology, is a great show format. Enjoying the show and looking forward to the new episodes. Best regards, Ian Wallace. Instagram and Twitter at Ian on a Hill Road. Well, thank you very much, Ian. Um, yeah, thanks, Ian. Yeah, they were, uh, and yeah, they were they were definitely standout shows amongst many standout shows. Um, and all pre Eric, yes, all pre all pre me. Yeah, yeah, I, I sense a trend. Yeah, when, <laughs> when, when we were good, um, that yeah, they were yeah. they were they were the ones. And uh, no, we 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 have quite a few guests. Uh, lined up which i think will give those people a good run for their money in terms of yeah and, and i think guests honestly who have like nicole's show was fantastic exactly um her follow-up show with the group over at handmade fo- uh camera podcast was phenomenal nico is i mean nico is nico like what can you say about nico besides he's nico and he's got the best tie and mustache in the business and he's awesome you know like i think we've had great guests um although that bunch of names is pretty great Clyde Butcher. I mean, come on. How do you beat that name? I don't think you can. 
I mean, we're know. now we're now now looking forward to uh, when when you bring on, uh, uh, and I'm talking specifically to Eric here, um, who's still in this probation period until David David Burnett and Sally Mann, um, who I'm sure he's got lined up, but he's just not telling us about it at the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, I did I did I did ping uh, our email. The, our our friend and watcher, uh, who's who's associates with with David, to see whether or not David replied to his email entreaty to come on the show, or whether or not he just scoffed at it. So we'll see. We'll we'll see. We shall see what what happens with that. Um, and then last but certainly not least, also from the Wayback Machine of no 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 this this one we already read. Sorry, sorry sorry. No, I think that's it. Um, this other one that you sent me was from January seventeenth uh, from Billy Sanford, and we already discussed this one. Yeah, and there's one more which I copied and pasted and sent across to you because it's from Instagram via because from our Instagram feed. Oh right, I don't have that one pulled up. Give me one second. Da, da, da. My bad. My apologies, good sir. There it is. I was just looking for the large format. Uh, email address. All right. Hello, Simon. Just heard the Nicole Small episode. Excellent. You guys are making the joyless photoshopping I have been doing recently less painful. Glad to hear it. So just to say, you mentioned on the show that this LFPP Instagram is not interesting. Well, you are mistaken. I have been checking out your followers' work on my commute. I hope your commute doesn't include driving. (laughs) And a lot of it is brilliant. My Instagram viewing has become much more entertaining as a result of following some of your followers. Just an extra plus, so you plus. So thank you for the LFPP Insta follower filter. That's from William Furness, whose Insta, by the way, is William Furness. F W I L L I A M F U R N I S S. So, all of you LFPP listeners who are on Instagram who've been caught up in the LFPP Instagram hashtag. That's a mouthful. Should follow William because he is following you. And I bet that his work. It's very good. I was curious. So um, sorry about the Julius Photoshopping. And I really hope, William, that your commute where you're watching and looking at people's Instagram feeds does not include you driving because that's a bad idea. Don't do that. Okay? Okay. So, and that's all the emails. There weren't any questions. No, they're very nice emails, but they weren't. Very nice we didn't emails. stretch you very far, did we? No, 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 not at all. Which is a bit of a shame, really. Yeah, but it is a shame. But just on the on on the subject there of uh, our Instagram feed, um, yes, I've 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 been doing it down because it's quite half-assed, and uh, <laughs> and it's going to stay that way um, from my side of things anyway, uh, unless Eric or uh, Andrew wants to do a better job and the, the offer is always there and always open. Um, and, uh, but the, the point there, Williams, Williams point there, we now have 1100 followers on that account. Um, which is yeah. not bad going actually considering we've only got 54 posts um, which is basically just covers of, uh, of each uh, show that we put out. Um, but it's absolutely right. You, know, you look at the actual people that follow us and then you know, just, just pick them out at random and just check those people out and there are yeah. some absolutely stunning photographers on there. So you know, it's well worth uh, just if you've got that, that five minutes and you're wondering what to do, just check out some of our followers on the Large Format Photography Podcast on Instagram uh, because there are some brilliant people out there. 
Yeah, for sure. And honestly, and even like the Facebook group too, I've expanded my repertoire of photographers that I find inspiring and interesting and also interesting to talk to mm. uh, through, the, through the podcast group by like quite a bit, you know, and which is fantastic. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited to be, to be part of the community and to actually know and interact and, you know, and, and admire from afar the work of a lot of the folks in our little crew and the lenses podcast and the built your own camera that the whole, sorry, the gram hates it. When I say it's the whole incestuous community that we have around these like four or five podcasts. I just trigger gram. I just, I love triggering gram. It's think, so good. I think I came up with that too, uh, originally as well. So, uh, I'm yeah, quite, yeah. quite proud of that. I, I, I yeah. did hear him on the, on the homemade camera podcast when he mentioned, they mentioned that through gritted teeth, um, <laughs> which I thought was, was, was quite cool. Uh, hi Graham. Um, hi Graham. <laughs> our incestuous friend. Um, yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, now uh, we're just being jerks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, we're just, we're just poking the, we're poking the bear. Yeah. Um, but that's, I think that's just just on a on a wider note. Um, I mean, that's been that's been just like one of the privileges of uh, being in, involved in the, in this podcast and also in the Classic Lenses podcast as well. Um, and just to Eric uh, to echo Eric, um, you know the 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 people that I've been able to speak to and learn from and and meet through other people and so on and all those connections and you know the the things that I've learned and picked things up. You know, so much more quickly because of uh, involvement in this and involvement in the groups where people talk. And then there's also on Twitter, there's, there's great conversations that can ha happen on there and Instagram and so on. Um, and I think it's just, you know, it's a, it's a brilliant wider community and it's just been a privilege to be part of it. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Right. Um, so let's start to bring things to a close. Unless there's anything else we need to desperately get off our chest before we do shout outs and things like that uh, no i don't think so i think andrew's falling asleep actually so uh let's 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 wake him up in a moment yeah um, yeah but before we ask him what the email address is and scare him um <laughs> i just want to thank um some people that have donated to us because uh, <clears throat> i didn't have the opportunity last time because i got cut off um but I haven't actually missed that many people, I don't think, anyway. So um, we have, on the 19th of uh, March, uh, Jess Lance, who we've just heard from. He uh, oh. donated to us, and and he said, uh, this is a message, blown away by episode, and then 10th of September, or September. The, actually, that's the thing, you Americans, you do the, the do the dates the wrong way around, so we, we don't understand which one this is. So we're not sure if it's the 10th of September or the 9th of October, but one of those two dates. Um, that's, they are that's suspiciously it, close to each other. They're easily it, mixed up, those two. It, exactly, yeah. I prefer like when there's a 12 or, or a 13. What are you going to do when there's a 10, 10 a 10, 9? 10, 10? No, 10, 10 will be 10, 10. Forget it. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll work Anyways, it out one way or the other. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he, he says, and I, I, I really should have sent this over to um, <laughs> to, to Eric, but uh, um, being English and saying dang, um, doesn't doesn't really work. <laughs> does but uh, but uh, here we go. Uh, da dang, what a splendid! <laughs> say it again, Simon. Say it again. Dang, dang. What, what 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 a spellbinding storyteller Eric is. Um, be, be, <laughs> um, oh. Yeah. So uh, this is just like Jess would say it. Um, 
been 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 skipping through and trying to get caught up and bam um there 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 he is as a co-host um you guys are great but dang um, <laughs> <laughs> so thank you jess uh, um, and then Ooh. who's the next one uh, oh, where's my back button here we go come on come on uh, and uh, yeah Christopher J mate thank you very very much uh, Christopher and then uh, Tim Holmes um, cheers guys uh, keep up the good work and don't, and don't, now uh, Tim wrote into us in a rather long email and so I'll just finish off this sentence now uh, cheers guys um, keep up the good work and don't read the whole bloody email next time <laughs> <laughs> so thank, thank you Tim challenge accepted yeah if yeah we we like filling time on this show so um <laughs> thanks man so if you write us you write a, a long email we will read everything it's as simple as that um uh, so that's uh, that's pretty much it for those so um andrew have you got any shout outs i have yeah one to facebook group member and former guest on the lensless podcast so he does large format work with dry plates and uh, using old quarter plate cameras. It maybe does wet plate as well. He does some stunning panoramic pinhole pictures. John Farnan, who's a regular contributor into our group. So he's been yeah. using the J Lane plates. And I, w I chat with him regularly anyway with John about this and that. And um, yeah, he's shooting some old sort of buildings in Scotland somewhere, you know, industrial scenes. And he's getting, the, he's getting those plates to work really well so check out john's work john f-a-r-n-a-n cool. yeah absolutely totally agree with that uh eric any shout outs uh well to my i say it every time my long-suffering fiance uh heather for putting up with well me in particular like literally as we were talking and wrapping the show up her friend sent she and I photos of like three or four different cameras, including a lovely looking little plate camera from a, a flea market that's open until three o'clock saying, does Eric want any of these? And I'm like, well, yes. And Heather's like, no. I'm like, yes, don't taste me. So thank you as always, Heather, for putting up with me and my shenanigans. <laughs> uh, and then our entire community and then you two fine gentlemen yeah. for being you. Including our our wonderful grump Andrew, you may be a wonderful grump, but you are a wonderful grump. Exactly, wouldn't have you any other way. And um, and I'll just uh, say the same as as Eric there, because I can't think of anybody else. So uh, ditto. Um, so and your wife who brings you tea? Yes, mm. God, man, Redbush as well, because it's too late yes. for normal tea. Um, I've moved away from Redbush now and gone on yeah. to decaffeinated Earl Grey. I have you know. Deca See, I can't. I can't be doing with decaf stuff. It's just well, red bushes. Red bushes. Well, I don't know. Now, did red bush? Is it naturally decaffeinated? I think it is, well, isn't no, it? It's naturally. No, nothing is naturally decaffeinated. It just isn't does it? not have caffeine in it. Well, that's what I meant. <laughs> I meant. That's a that's a that's a small but important distinction. Yeah, yeah but you know what I meant. It, so it naturally doesn't have caffeine. <laughs> but actually, the caffeine-free Earl Grey is 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 lovely. I was getting a bit fed up with with red bush to be honest i know what you mean it's our nighttime drink as well we like to, us old folks eric we like to have these these little rituals you know 
Nice. It used okay. to be Horlicks, and now it's Redbush because you know or modern Oval, old people Oval have Redbush. Ovaltine. Yeah. You know the song for the Ovaltines song. Did you used to be a member of the Ovaltines, Eric? I didn't. No. Before my time. No. No. I want to say it's something like we are the we are the Ovaltines. I want, then yeah. I want to say we're happy boys and girls, but it might be another song I'm thinking of. Honestly, as uh, sorry, but mine. as an American, when you said Red Bush, I thought you were talking about whiskey. No. No, and then you're like, it's decaf. I'm like, yes, whiskey is decaf, naturally. Think, well, they, it's South Africa. <laughs> in South Africa, don't they call it Rubus or something? Yeah, I think we've had this conversation on here before, haven't we? Yeah, probably. Ru- Not with me, you haven't. But we've all got. Yeah. Rubus. Yeah. Okay. This is probably the most British ending to a podcast ever if we're talking about Earl Grey. I have it with milk in. I can't abide it because it's a bit floral, really, and I like it. But with milk in, it's good. <laughs> yeah. Dang. Dang. Yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah, I, I might have actually started talking about the fact we just moved over to having loose leaf tea um, when we drink our tea Ooh. in the daytime. But, Fancy, uh, but that that can wait for another podcast, I guess. All right, we're grinding right. beans now, so that's a new. Oh departure. yeah, well that's that's oh, well, you should. Uh, that's that's the way. Yeah, to go. no, that's yeah. that's that's the minimum accepted like standard for civilized folk. Come on, yeah, now. yeah, exactly. Welcome yeah, well, we never to, did. Yeah. Well, we did years ago. We haven't done so in a while, but we've got, got a decent grinder now. Good. And on that note, ladies yeah. and gentlemen, yeah, um, I, I went onto this website looking for looking for one. You never guess what I found. <laughs> oh man! So then, if 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 our conversation, including the last part of it, inspires you um, or, or infuriates infuriate you enough that you wish to contact us, does something. Um, what would be the best email address to get to us, Andrew? Large format photography podcast at gmail.com. That's absolutely correct. Bing. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, Andrew again. Um, how can people follow you and look at all the things that you do outside of this podcast? Um, most social media at Warboys Snapper and on Instagram and Twitter. And then hanging around the Lensless Podcast Facebook group and the Large Format Photography Facebook group as well. And Eric? Uh, just E-R-I-K-H-M-A-T-H-Y is my uh, Instagram account. At the moment, it's flooded with photos of baby bunnies. You'll understand why when you go there. But it will slowly start uh, transitioning back to scans of the dry plate images, which I plan on doing this week, and the uh, this old place lens build which i should be finishing this week it'll essentially it'll go back to photography content and then probably back to bunnies you you could always take large format photographs of your bunnies you know how hard it is to keep baby bunnies in one place the amount of time it's required to shoot large format maybe with the rangefinder where you can like focus and shoot relatively quickly but no those are the suckers do not sit still for very long tie tie them down or something you know Mm. no no. Or, you know, pin them, to the, pin them to the floor somehow. <laughs> They're adorable, but they are on the move. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, for from me, I'm on Twitter. Why aren't you on Twitter, Eric, by the way? <sighs> anyway, Twitter is me. like a cesspool, like the, the cesspool of internet social media. No, it's not. If so you're a selector about who you follow and you just hone into the community, you can. 
Yeah. If you get, you just get. If dicks pop up, you just <laughs> cut them off. <laughs> I think that's a different just side on that theme. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so Twitter, I'm on Twitter as Simon Four. I'm on Instagram as Simon Forster Photographic, which is also the name. If you stick co.uk on the end of it, as uh, as my website, uh, where there are lots of lens caps and lots and lots of lens caps and more lens caps to come. Um, and I also do another podcast um, whenever we get the chance to actually get it out there. It's called the Classic Lenses Podcast. That weekly one, Simon. That, it, well, we, we moved from weekly and recently we decided that we we're going to go to fortnightly. And okay. as soon as we agreed to go fortnightly, we haven't done one for three weeks. Yep. Um, so for those of us who aren't part of the greater British Commonwealth, what is fortnightly? Every two weeks. Uh, thank you. Wow. So do you not have that term? Is that another new term? Fortnite. Yeah. Most people will hear Fortnite and think of the video game. So I what, what does Fortnite and the video game mean anyway? Because I was thinking, what's that? I don't even know. I don't no idea. Maybe you say update the game every two weeks. I have no idea. Maybe there's a fort and you attack it nightly. Like, I don't know. I've never played <laughs> yeah. the game. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah. Yes. Americans are weird, aren't they? They are. Yeah. 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 The youth are weird. But, you know, we love them. So let's go for yeah. it. Um, okay, so that, that's it. I forgot what I was talking about, so let's just let's just go, and I'll say that our brilliant music is uh, by Kevin McLeod called Two Finger Johnny, um, and that's it. So uh, I hope you've enjoyed this week's show. So <laughs> as <laughs> random as it was, goodbye, bye, see ya.